mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diana. And this is Talkart. Welcome to Talkart. How are you today, Robert? Well, Russell, mm. today I am feeling a bit like that Joni Mitchell song, Both Sides Now, because today we are meeting both sides of a portrait, perhaps. We are meeting a muse, a model, but she's actually also an artist, a writer, and a very prolific uh, life model as well, because so many people have made artworks depicting her image, including even her nephew. Um, I've seen a really beautiful portrait of her. He was eight years old at the time. His name is, is Reynard. So big shout out to him. And we're oh, also, he'd be thrilled. <laughs> and we're also meeting an amazing artist, a painter, who currently has an exhibition at The Sunday Painter of paintings that he's made of today's other guest. So we have both sides of making art. And um, I am so proud, in particular, talking to the muse herself, because she is someone that has inspired me for literally since I was about 15 years old. And I had very close friendships with like Matthew Glamour, who was in a band called Minty, which was also uh, Lee Bowery's band originally, who was incidentally the best friend of today's guest. So it kind of feels like a very special moment for me personally as well. So I'm very thrilled to welcome to Talk Art finally the one and only Sue Tilly and Rui Ferreira. Hello, pleased to meet you. (laughs) It's so great to meet you at last. I've literally been wanting to meet you all my life. You have no idea. (laughs) And we're meeting virtually today, but hopefully I get to give you a big hug soon. (laughs) I hope so. We met virtually during uh, lockdown, Sue. I think we had a chat on one of your art shows at some point? Am I making that up? I think you're making it oh. up. I did meet you in a lift at Louis Vuitton <laughs> at one of Kim Jones' parties. Of course. I was there that night. <laughs> oh, wait. Well, I, I met, met you, you then. That's so weird. I was there that night. That's years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do we find you both oh. in the world right now? Because you're sat next to each other. St. Leonard's on Sea. I um, love that. Where is St. Leonard's on Sea? Room. Oh, Sue's living Near Hastings. Okay. And Sue, you're from London originally. I am. Uh, and you now live in St. Leonard's. And Rui, you're from Portugal. Lisbon. Lisbon, in Portugal. Yeah, uh, but you, Lisbon. But you, when you live in the UK permanently? Uh, I studied in the UK in 2010. And uh, just now I'm, I'm visiting Sue now, now and then. And I come to St. Leonard's just because of her. Oh, and the sea. <laughs> But mostly he lives in Lisbon, don't yes. you? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm between Lisbon and Vienna, actually. Ah, and you two first met in 2013, is that correct? It is. And can you talk a bit about how you met and how the whole kind of connection grew and blossomed? You can say. No, I I always love to hear Sue's version, (laughs) but we basically met in a 
charity event where I was modeling nudes and Sue was uh, talking about Lucien and modeling for a portrait. With I my guess. clothes on. Yeah. And um, so it's just a very interesting uh, sequence of events because I was studying at Goldsmiths and I was researching on Lee Bowery and I, I went to the library, found this VHS tape and Sue was there as Lee's biographer. And I was like, oh, I really like this person. And then the opportunity to meet her uh, appeared. Yeah, And he charmed me with his bizarre <laughs> stories. Yes. <laughs> like Maybe. what? <laughs> so Sue had to find a teacher to, to host this class. And uh, this brilliant teacher, Adrian Dutton, invited me. And then all he, he, he said, like, you do the, your usual routine, uh, take your dressing gown, do like small po little poses, etc. But I took my dressing on too soon and... I looked at, at everyone in the room and Sue was kind of looking at me with a very warmly, I don't know, I just found... A very attractive yeah. young man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, that kind of like, wow. And I felt like I, I could really talk to her. So I, I did my all my poses and in the end, I, I just uh, went straight to her and started chatting. And yeah, maybe you can tell. And then, I don't know, he said, can I have your phone number? I went, oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But then he just texted me, and I'm not a great texter. And I was getting about 20, 30 texts a day. I thought, this is very entertaining. Oh, wait, so before that, I just told her the story that I had been to this spanking club, the hoist. And um, <laughs> it, it was a really cool experience for me. But I had this vision of Sue, actually, as a, a character in Max Ernst's painting, Virgin Spanking Jesus. And so that's what I asked her right straight away. I would love to do a project with you where I would be just sitting on your lap and you'd spank me and that, that that was the start of it wow you know i'm open for i'm open for <laughs> mischief so i joined in <laughs> that's brilliant so and the other one because i was so interested in lucian Freud and the, the dynamic between the model and the artist the established and the one i was kind of researching on uh, i also asked her if i could do the pose where a fan enters the studio and hugs the knees of the artist and I said okay but we're going to reverse roles I'll, I'll be the model always and I'll be nude and you'll be the the artist and you can be um embody Lucian Freud actually and that's the start of it so you, you met as a fanboy or a fangirl yeah, yeah, yeah. fan person both yes yeah. in between switching roles and and uh always yes from the observer point of view the model and the artist yeah maybe the the girl and the boy, why not? Yeah, well, this is a self-portrait series. Uh, the title of the series is called Posing for Sue, and it's 10 years of photos and films uh, taken of yeah. you both that are then made into paintings, and this is currently up at the Sunday Painter. I mean, what what is the um, anticipation feeling like? I'm really... I'm beside myself with excitement, but it's like I'm a bit nervous because it's really weird because we've got this weird friendship that it's just us two, really, because he lived... I mean, when he lived here, he met my friends, but usually... He's in, I haven't seen him for a year until last week. Yeah. And we just chat all the time. It's our private little life. And the people would be shocked, I think, when they see the mischief we get up to. But <laughs> it's, not, it's not really sexy. It's just for my own entertainment because <laughs> I love weird things. And I go, once he came around my house, he, I picked him up here, but right in my house, and then went, will you crawl around the floor like a horse? Then I'll sit on your back naked. Exactly. And I just thought... Oh, all right then. Just better than watching the telly. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. This this is also another very old drawing of, uh, let's say, a young person sitting. No, yeah. I wanted to reverse this 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 uh, very old 
drawing. And but this just shows two quite dis different point of views that I'm meeting because for me, there was always a very structured narrative, and I, I I've really found out Sue, but I I kind of had the the narrative quite in my head. I knew what I was doing, and um, see, I just thought we were having fun. Yeah. And I didn't realise it was a big art project. Definitely. I'm just going, oh, this is good. But was it, was, yeah. Were you taking photos or filming these sequences, or is this, do they go, do you work from memory? No, even if the work is a bit about reworking re memory, I, I'm, I do films. And then that's um, the first time I went to Sue's place, I, I installed the camera with the, with the tripod and everything. It was just doing it as professionally as I could and with the best camera I, could, I had at the time. And then it became a bit more organic with using the mobile on the floor. And so sometimes Sue says she's not even realizing we are filming, but I'm, I'm asking her, like, can we do a pieta? And I'm just like, wait a minute, I'm going to take my clothes off. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's always uh, following a little guideline and, and yeah but I don't because he's quite secretive so I don't really know what's happening I'll just yeah. be there yeah. and because he likes me because I'm easy going and lots of girls go oh no I'm not doing that I go oh all right then I love that well, well I can't wait to see this show this is this, it sounds like you're subverting the role of the artist and the muse and you're also looking at um art historical images and subverting Definitely, those yes. yeah 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 well, well, let's let's talk about you, Sue, because this is this is okay. a real. You can go now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we we come back to you, but this is we're talking about our historical significance, and you are you appear as a muse, and and I've also read that you kind of not very happy with the word muse. You, you find it quite a troubling. No. What what why would that be? Let's talk about that then. I imagine. Because I used to, you know, enjoy art all my life, and I think of you know the pre-Raphaelite women who are in love with the artists, and they do anything, and they end up sort of drowning and dying of pneumonia, and they waft around, and then kill themselves because the artist doesn't love them anymore. <laughs> I don't think I'm really that type. I'm a bit too down and to earth and normal, but I really have to, you know, I hate saying it, but I'm beginning to think that perhaps I am a muse. But it's a bit of an embarrassing thing to call yourself, isn't it, really? I well, I mean, you should claim it. It gives you agency because, like, you've 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 inspired a whole new body of work with Rue, you, uh -huh. you, and you you are Definitely. you feature in four paintings, uh, some etchings, and also an unfinished painting that you don't even remember being made by the artist Lucian Freud. You've done a lot of good research. I have. <laughs> and I always do. And these are the, these paintings have huge art historical significance. And I would just love to talk about how you have become, I think you described yourself as the accidental muse. I know. It, it's, it's an amazing place to find yourself because when it, you are a living muse and, and you've, you're part of art history. I know. Sometimes I think it and I think, because you know, most of the time I have a very mundane, normal life. Well, I think it is. Other people probably wouldn't. But um, then suddenly I think, and I'm, you know, in the country, in the seaside, and then suddenly I think to myself, blimey. It's quite fascinating what happened to me, isn't it? Yeah. And I can't quite, you know, because when I started working, because I was good friends with Lee Barry and he was working for Lucian and he decided I should work for him. But because they're both control freaks, Lee had to convince Lucian it was his idea. So anyway, <laughs> that worked. But I just thought, oh, it's a little job. You know, I was working in a nightclub. I thought I'd do that. It's, you know, a bit easier. And then the first day I went, I thought, I can't do it. It was so uncomfortable. I thought, I'm going to die. I can't do it. I thought, no, you're a tough old bird. Yes, you can. You were young then. Oh, yeah, I was young, younger. You're saying I'm not young now. 
then... so this was this was in the early nineties, and you were working yeah. uh, in a job centre in Charing Cross. And, yeah. uh, and then during, the nightclub at the Wag Club. You were working at Taboo the as a cashier on the door yeah. in the evenings, which was Lee Bowery's well, club. That was that was ten years before that. Oh, really? So that's how you met Lee through working on the door. No, I met him at a nightclub, and then he asked me to work on the door. Oh, I see, I see. But you were, but you were working this. You were a benefits supervisor at a job yeah. centre where you became the <laughs> yeah. manager, and you were there for thirty-seven years. But you were that—that that was your day yeah. job. And then in the yeah. evening, you were like a linchpin within this club kid movement that is also I just out all the time you must have been exa- i mean you must have been exhausted <laughs> never did, went home did, did people know, get their benefits get, or were they <laughs> i know i sometimes like well luck i used to get to work and someone's just lie on the desk and think i'm gonna die <laughs> once i even puked up at work and had to rush out i was interviewing someone i thought oh, i'm gonna be sick I had to run to the toilet um <laughs> And everyone there all thought I was a bit, you know, I could never really fit in anywhere. Because at the job centre, I thought, well, she's a bit weird, she does this and that. Then people, nightclub people go, oh, she's a bit weird, she works in a job centre. A lot of them signed on with me, so that was quite funny. <laughs> Did Did I even got Princess Julia a little job in a knicker factory. Love that. <laughs> oh, Julia. She didn't last her. long. It wasn't for her. So, oh, um, so how did Lee Bowery, you were best mates, how did Lee then connect with... Uh, Freud. How did, how did that sort of connection happen to begin with? Well, as you might know, Lucian's got quite a lot of children, so it's a good opportunity. You might know one of them. Right. And I think one of our friends, you know, the artist, Kerith Wynne Evans, yeah. yes. and at the time he was going out with Angus Cook, and I think Angus Cook had been at university with one of the children, the daughters, and so she had introduced Angus to Lucian, so he started working for him. He introduced Kerry, Kerry started working for him, and they used to talk about Lee, and so Lucian thought that that was really, he'd like to meet Lee, so he did, and then painted him, and then he painted me. And you say working rather than sitting or rather than being amused. Oh, yeah, I call it work. <laughs> did it feel like work then the whole time? Good job. It was a good job to have because basically, you know, in real life, you don't have much time to sit and think. When you, you feel guilty, you should be doing something else. It was like... Six hours that you could just think and do exactly as you please. You didn't have to do the washing up. You didn't have to worry you hadn't done the washing. You're just lying there. I mean, it was a bit uncomfortable sometimes, but I soon got used to it. And, of course, he was talking and he was great entertainment. And I heard that Lucien as well had a very particular kind of um, approach to who he wanted to paint because he believed that the physical presence of that person would contribute to the greatness of, A, the way the way that he could paint, but also the final, you know, composition of the image and the kind of soul within the painting, which I think is so fascinating. I'd never really thought about that until I was researching. I know, like episode. he wouldn't, you know, because there was all these floorboards. You know, I go, can't you paint them when I'm not here? And he went, no, because... Your aura and your skin has to be reflected in those floorboards. So I possibly can't paint it without you. And But the main thing he liked, people, reliable. Oh, really? Like, so you'd always yeah. be there? Yeah. So how did, yeah. so how did you Being have a day job? Reliable. How did you have a day job and then be able to sit for him for so many oh. hours? Oh, I, sometimes I think... I did it for about three years. I never had a day where I didn't go to work. Not a Saturday or Sunday, nothing. Maybe about two. But so I, I worked nine to five... And then the first painting was night time, so I could do that after work. And I said I wasn't going to work past one. So I'd drive home, go to sleep quick, and then get up in the morning. Then a couple of nights a week I was working in a nightclub. But after that, the paintings became day paintings. So I did Saturday and Sunday, but then he was always begging me to take a day off work. And luckily, we used to get tons of holiday, just so much. 
I had to just give it back because we got so much. So I was always had a day off of work, a week as well, probably, so I could go there. And you chose that day off to go and sit for Freud. So, I did. So you must have absolutely loved this experience. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. And he was so interesting and told you such hilarious stories and everything that it was worth it. What are people some think of those he never stories? spoke. I go, he never shuts up. <laughs> What are some of those stories? Because didn't he tell you, like, gossip about kind of, like, very iconic celebrities and kind of oh, film yeah, stars? Like, and... Oh, when I was in the car with Cecil Beaton and uh, when I met Judy Garland, she had a very <laughs> limp handshake. Love it. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> and then he'd recite poetry. Really? And they'd be so rude about people. But, I, that, of course, I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't he, didn't he meet Greta Garbo as well? Oh, yes. I can't remember. Yeah, with, with Cecil Beaton. I think they're in the car driving through the country together. I just couldn't get my head around that one. I was like, Greta Garbo? I know, imagine meeting Greta Garbo. I'm like, I love this. I know. But Genius. he was so naughty when he was young. Yeah. Like, he was always just, he never passed his driving test and just drive, taking people's cars and crashing them and <laughs> just completely wild. Free spirit, yeah. Yeah, and of course, all the ladies. Oh, yeah, you love the ladies. So so you were yeah. talking about the floorboards just then, and, and I think this refers to yeah. the first painting that you sat for, which was called Evening in the Studio in 1993. And in this, you are naked and sprawled on the floor. So how how long was you on the floor for? How uncomfortable was that? And what was it like when he first said, you know, I want you to take all your clothes off and lie there naked and his eyes are on you. Because you hear a lot of stories about Lucian Freud's eyes when he went into like a trance-like state. Petrifying. But, well, so Lee had sort of been the in between it all and he was originally in that painting. So he came around my house and then I, we drove together. But in my house, he made me take my clothes off and lie on the settee just to practice. And then we got there. And so I knew I'd have to take my clothes off. Sorry, who made you and, practice? Um, Lee did? Or... Lee. Yeah, right. Lee. Okay. Oh, he's very bossy. <laughs> and so we got the Because he was in the painting originally. It was me, Lee and Nicola. So Lee was on the bed. Nicola was in the chair and I was on the floor. Oh, it was so uncomfortable. I thought, really, honestly, I thought I would die. But then he pressed his dirty old pillows behind me. They were so filthy. But at the same time, I thought they were quite thrilling. Because they must have had the DNA of all his sitters in them. <laughs> <laughs> So there I was, lying in these cushions that goodness knows who'd lied on. And um, and then, oh, Lee, after two days, he wanted to go and do a job in Scotland, so Lucy and sacked him and put the dog in the place instead. How long were the poses? Poses. There was, so each painting took nine months, and that's usually about three sessions a week of about seven, eight hours. Look at his face. And how many minutes uh, on a row? The first session in the morning was usually the longest because it was quite quiet, because, you, you know, all these deliveries and things came and everything, that's the only interruption. So sometimes I'd sit an hour and a half in that position and then you'd say, oh, you can have a break. And then the, sometimes the phone would ring, I'd be like, but yeah, only three people knew his phone number, so unfortunately it didn't ring very often. So that was exciting. Who would that be, like Frank Auerbach and one of his daughters or something? Oh, um, yeah, one daughter, Bella, I yeah. think, and his lawyer, I think, and a lady. I don't even know if Frank Auerbach had it. But, of course, we did know it, because when you phoned... In those days, when someone phoned you, you could do this number on your phone and get the number. Oh, yeah, like 1471 yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah, was yeah. it, yeah, 5FO. So we did know it, but we didn't, never dared ring it. But I think ring Lee sometimes used to spook ring him. 
So if we had, for some reason, we couldn't go. We had, David Dawson had his number. We had to go through David Dawson, who then tell him. And David Dawson, we've had on Talk Art, and David Dawson yeah, was, I know. His, uh, I was listening to studio it. manager and uh, looks after his, protects his estate yeah. now and works with him. Yeah. But, I mean, I, f- I find that quite sad then that you never were in a portrait with your best friend in the end because he got... I know. That would have been amazing if you'd have still... I know. I'm very jealous. That one of him and Nicola. I love that one. You know where they're lying on the bed and, and the bridegroom or something? Yes, yeah. But Lucian didn't know they were married. So that was really weird. But I don't know if they were married when he did it, but that was all a secret marriage. Wowee. So, so you were sprawled on the floor in the first one. And then the second one, which is actually... I think the most famous one, which is a Benefit Supervisor Sleeping, which is the one that we have seen uh, because of its record-breaking auction price. Right. Now, that one, you're introduced to a sofa. So did that feel like a yeah. step up? Was that an exciting oh. moment for you to know you were going to be? <laughs> I, hadn't been, I hadn't been there for a year because I'd been on holiday and I'd got really tanned, so we couldn't paint me. Oh, we hate your tans, right? Tan, tans repulse him and make up everything. And so when I walked in and saw that sofa, I was so thrilled. And you can see how shabby it is and everything. It cost about £3,000, I think, because it's some old, really old sofa. But it was quite itchy. But um, And was that the same was nice. sort of experience that you would be spending that amount of time going in, sitting, coming back? And did you know each time he made a painting that he would then go, I've got another idea for a painting with you? Yeah. So you would? You'd know that you'd had more work coming yeah. up? Yeah. And, I mean, what was the transaction when it came to monetary stuff? Would he, would he give oh, you... Well, Go on. Yeah, it was all... He had drawers for the £50 notes. I think he'd go to the bank and take £4,000 in £50 notes out. So he had to be paid in something that divided into 50. So I st- No, 100. So I started off on £20 a day, so he'd pay me £100 every five days I'd been. And then I negotiated and I went... Could you make it 25? So I've got £100 every four days. Then I've got even more devilish and go, can it be £33 a day? So I ended up every, getting paid every three days. But then you get really expensive, £100 lunch at the River Cafe and things like that, which sometimes that's more better than just cash, isn't it? That's nice. Yeah, so he would, I, go on. I, I heard that he was a really great cook as well, but he would often take you out for lunch. Yeah. But he was a bizarre cook. He very much lived... He had the hay diet and he didn't really eat carbs at all. Ah. Me. I'm the queen of a carb. I love love a carb. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And then he'd give you things like... He he followed Elizabeth David. So it was like cooking the most expensive, beautiful ingredients, the simplest way ever. So sometimes I go, go, here, can you do this? And I'd sit and peel brawl beans... I very much like taking them out of the husk, you know, the velvety thing. Yeah. But then I had to get my nails and take the little skin off each broad bean. But to be <laughs> honest, when he cooked them, they were so delicious, it was worth it. So he really looked after you, like you, you, oh, yeah, you weren't just he seen. Wanted, he wasn't he didn't tra- want you to leave. Oh, he didn't. He wanted you to. Because imagine if you walked out, he'd be stuck with half a finished painting. Right. So he was a workaholic, do you think? Yeah, and that's why there's lots of self-portraits of him because he always had one on the go because if someone didn't turn up, he was there so he could paint himself. So he just painted 24-7, like, all the time? Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, the first session was usually at half seven in the morning. But, you know, it depends on time of year because of the light and everything. And that person probably worked till half three. Then he might go and see someone, have a little nap, and then the next person probably be there about five or six until one or two in the morning. 
would you see all these paintings? Like, would you see yourself? Yeah. At, you would see yourself at every stage of the painting. Yes, yeah, so that was so interesting. So every time you go, you could catch up on all the other paintings <gasps> and how far they come and what's happened. And before I started working for him, Lee showed me a book of all the paintings and that. And then gradually over time, I met all the people in all the paintings, which I really no. enjoyed. Because wow. yeah. I was thinking his art shows are like Tracy Emin's tent, you know, everyone I ever slept with. But his shows, the whole huge show is everyone I ever knew. And they're all kind of slightly interrelated. Like even my brother's old girlfriend, he painted her. He'd never met her. But I told him that my brother had dumped his girlfriend, decided he'd paint her. <laughs> it was a bit weird. <laughs> what, and she just turned up, you, you said, come to the studio, he wants to paint you, and he did? Yeah, and he just painted her, yeah. Done about three pictures of her. I love that. I find it so interesting how, like, when I, people often say to me, like, because I run a gallery in Margate, and people often say, how do I get represented by your gallery? And I always say, I discover artists through other artists. But it seems like he found sitters through other sitters. There was yeah, obviously exactly. Some kind Completely of, true. I think he just liked the authenticity, didn't he, of the stories yeah. of the people. He must have found that really, like, captivating. Real people living I know, then real of course, lives. We sort of, yeah, and we can talk about each other because we know each other and it all interlinks and... All it's that. Quite it's like place. there was me, Lee, Nicola, Kerith, Angus. You know, we all knew each other, and it was all very bizarre. Kerith was always very disappointed. He wouldn't paint him naked. Why would he not? Because I don't he... know why. So what were the rules I don't know for why that not. then? What were the rules for some people naked? Some we people. We don't know. I don't know. I think it's also it really fascinates me that he's able to paint you and then stop and go to another painting and do that one and then stop and then go back to another yeah. painting. I mean, I would always just imagine that it's a free flow of work and it's almost methodical, the way that he paints. Yeah. It's like, that's so fascinating. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, and it's so... Because people sometimes say to me, oh, what did you think when you finally saw the picture? I went, well, have you actually seen the size of it? Because it was so big, he couldn't stand behind it to paint like people do. It was kind of an angle... And he was like facing me, just so he could just look at me, then go to the canvas like that. So it was in front of me the whole time. So he would turn around to look at you, then go back to the canvas. Yeah. So was this the eye but thing then? What was the eye thing? He yeah. Did? And then sometimes if he was want to, his eyes would just go so huge because he thought the bigger his eyes were, the better he could see. So it'd be like that, really staring. That's it was creepy. A bit scary. I know, and I said this the other day, and sometimes I'd fall asleep, and I suppose I'd flop a bit, so I'd be lying there, and I'd suddenly go, oh, and these eyes were staring at me, and he was just moving my bosom back in place. <gasps> no. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't take offence. So that, yeah. that money at the time, was that good money? And it was that... No, it was oh, poor money. Oh, it was, okay. But, you know, who could, people, would, people were always writing him letters, I want to be a model and everything. It was a privilege to be allowed to do it. So I can't complain. And it changed my life, really. You know, made it more exciting. And I was going to say... Like, what's that? And the etchings. Sold the etchings, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what you, he gave you etchings? He gave, every time he gives an etching, I think it's the rule, we have to give you one. When I was hard up, just sold them. That's great, though. <laughs> I know, but... Five million you could have. Oh, not five million now. And no. then just pass them on. You know, then someone else enjoys them as well. I like passing things on. 
yeah, it's yeah. pleasure for someone else. What's it like um, sort of becoming well-known in a way through those paintings? Because I feel like people must recognise you or when they find out who you are, like, because, you know, oh, the paintings... Yeah, they're excited. <laughs> yeah, and the paintings now have sold for, like, you know, multi-multi-millions, like 35 million, mm. like, ridiculous, crazy figures. And I've seen a picture of you even with, like, the Duchess of Cambridge, uh, Cambridge with Kate. Know. You know what I mean? Like, you're That's actually meeting royalty. of my life. Was it? What was it like to meet her? <laughs> it was her first ever public appearance on her own really yeah it was the opening of the exhibition at the national portrait gallery which was it was such an exciting week it was lovely and they go yeah we don't know if you'll meet or not but be prepared and all this and it was all shuffling around they went stand there stand there she's coming you've got to meet her and she was so lovely and i'd um i mean she must have been nervous it's her first ever appearance on her own and i had this red flowery thing on my head she said, oh, that's lovely. Where did you get it? So she had like a nice normal conversation, subjects I like. So the third painting you had was uh, in 1994, Benefits Supervisor Resting. Yeah. And then the last one that you made was in 1996, which is Sleeping by the Lion Carpet. And then after that, you didn't work with him anymore. No. What happened there? there was, you know, what happens, he is... He paint, you know, people say put stories into his paintings. They're not really stories at all. They're tests of himself and his skills and his talent and what he can see and how he can represent it. So that's why people are always weird angles because he likes to practice foreshortening and everything. And he's had his time with me, you know, he'd seen enough of my body. He'd finished it. So that was that. And I think I'd upset him as well during the last painting. Really? How? I went, I went to France to, um, for an exhibition of his work. Like, oh, please, can I go? And he paid for me to go and everything. And he, whatever you do, don't go in the sun. You mustn't go in the sun. And I, I'm so stupid and slightly mischievous and don't like being told what to do. So I went <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> God damn. Not on purpose. It's just inside my head. And then all his daughters were there. And when, when I went back to work, I thought, oh, I'm going to be in trouble. So I sat there and I tried to distract the moment where I had to take my clothes off. And he just went, oh! But then, didn't tell me off, got on the phone to Bella and told her off because she was with me and she should have stopped me. <laughs> I know. And then, so I think he thought I wasn't as reliable as he thought after that. And he had to, he had to do an etching while the suntan faded. No way, really? Yeah. So what was the last work? So it was all right because I got an etching. What yeah. was the last work, work he made with you then? Yeah. The, the etching was... was... The, that painting. No, the etching was in the middle while the tan faded and he went back to doing the picture and what's uh, after you finished working together was that kind of sad for you because I guess if you're having all these very personal conversations because you know Mm. as you're sitting I know you fell asleep occasionally but you did obviously get to know each other there must have been a real intimacy um between the two of you however kind of um unusual the human being he was um, and intense of course because he's painting yeah very entertaining yeah so did you did you sort of mourn that that friendship or or was it okay really no no I mean, he phoned me up a couple of times for a chat, and I saw him a couple of times at openings and things. But, you know, I move on. I'm not one for being stuck in the past. Change, move on, do this. And, um, yeah, so that was that. He's been described as an, an unrivaled interpreter of human flesh in paint. And I've, I've read a quote that you said that he got value for money with you because he got he a lot of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> and that people go, oh, do you think it looks horrible? You use mortifier no, because to be honest, the thin girls don't look much better. They're just all bony and scrawny. And I think I look very voluptuous and comfortable on that sofa. Yeah, you do. So what, is it, what does it feel like then to 
be in a painting that is owned by Roman Abramovich, I think still. And, you know, and all of the paintings of you are actually in private collections. They're not in like national collections. People can't afford them. It's so galleries can't afford them. It's so sad. So they appear when there's like retrospectives or survey shows of his work. But I mean, what is what does that feel like to know that you are there on someone's living room? And because what the first the one you know the one that sold for loads. Yeah, that was originally in someone's house in St John's Wood in their television room, and I went. They made a little television program about it, so I went round there. I was thrilled. I go nothing I love more than lying on sofa watching telly. <laughs> But it was so nice to see him And then I met a woman who owns the other similar one on the sofa, and it was in her dining room in Boston. Good idea to put people off their food so they wouldn't eat so much. And um, But unfortunately, those two couldn't be in the last exhibition at the National Gallery because they're owned by Russians, and there's an embargo. Oh. So you, it was really weird, but I was still quite excited that I was part of the Ukraine war. I was affected by it personally. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so they couldn't have them in the show. Yeah, wow, that's yeah, yeah. But that's a shame because they're my favourites, but still. But it does, I would love them to be in museums. I hate when people, yeah, exactly. you know, rich people buy art just for make money. They don't love it. They don't want it. It's just, and they put it away. No one can see it. It's just so it makes money for them. It's, it's also really mad, that idea that a painting can become such a politicised object. You know, that the war, you know, know, it's now involved in... In kind of nations fighting and war, I know sort of very bizarre, kind of crazy shit. Yeah, can we talk a bit about the the, the club era? For me, I first heard about you when I was doing gigs at Cashpoint via Matthew Glamour because I used to hang out quite a bit with Matthew outside of the club scene. He lives near here sometimes. Does he? In a green van by the sea. Oh, oh, I love that man. He's amazing. But um, I heard about you that way. And I've heard some amazing quotes that you've said about taboo and the whole kind of London club scene at that era. Like there was one thing you said about um, if you came to the club, you either died or you became a great success. Because a lot of people (laughs) in that environment were either like, you know, living life to the limits or they were super creative and inventive. And that was my experience too. Even in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, I was hanging out. I did a duet with Princess Julia for example like you know she's become such an amazing uh friend as well but i think her and me have done very well really we've well never been, we, we've never been drug addicts or anything had a, you know had any real t- like loads of people from that scene like george and marilyn loads have died you know they've had awful things happen to them. they've ended up in prison yeah fact only yeah. us two sensible girls we've been all right <laughs> but what and we carried on as well we don't live in the past and we That's carried true. on sort of evolving as we get older and changing. When people say things, do we just go, oh, yeah, yeah, we will. And you find things out. Yeah. I, I was interested in the idea that, like, Lee and yourself, like, and, and everyone who went to those club nights, you were, like, pushing ideas of gender, body shapes, just just freedom of, of being, freedom of thought. So, like, now, you know, with all of the kind of uh, progression of non-binary and kind of um, the support for the trans communities and, 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 you know, kind of opening our minds to people being able to be themselves and have, have a free life. Like, I feel like the club scene was a kind of place that I personally felt safe, you know, and that and that you could be yourself. But can I just... I'm so shocked. A lot of gays, like gay men I know my age... Yeah. They're so shocked. They're so rude about gender and non-binary and all that. I go, what's the matter with them? Oh, uh, I go, what do you want What's it matter? It's not hurting you. I know. What's the fuss? Just let them be. You like freaks. You like something different. Imagine if everyone looked the same. Yeah. Be hideous. Yeah. It's lovely to see people dress up different and wear... That doesn't, I mean, my brother's non-binary, so he says, but it's not much sign of it, just a bit of nail varnish. But, you know, <laughs> it's 
good for him. Yeah. But it, like his son, I find little children are really good with transgender and non-binary. I know, it's brilliant. And they're really about wearing boys and girls clothes. But it's these older people, I just, I'm shocked, really. Like, often I sort of argue with my... They go, oh, what about men dressed as women in toilets? I go, well... In your house, you have a mixed toilet. You know what I mean? They know <laughs> so not like true. to rape you because yeah. they've got a dress on. What are you on about? It's just weird. I've never heard that one before. That is amazing. Oh, that's that a everyone huge one in, in their women's. house. Everyone in their house has a, a, mixed a multi-gendered toilet. toilet. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's genius. I love that. I think the community just punches inwards sometimes. When if we all collectively punched oh, yeah. outwards, it would make more of an impact. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I know, people have literally said that you were in that program, weren't you, in America, in San Francisco? Looking, yeah. Was that one? Or was it... Or was it in the other one, the Armstead Mulpin? And there's a gay oh, sitting around the a dinner table. Mm. It was, I think it was in Tales City. And there was a young gay, talk, you know, all for the non-binary everything. And all the old ones, oh, we had to fight for this, we had to fight for that. They can as well. And it was like... It's very ungenerous. And I've it, heard yeah. people say it as well, and it really shocks me. I know. It's, um... But I think I'm very open-minded. Without, I never think to myself, I'm a very open-minded person. But I think I am now. You know. I know, but, but I wonder if that came from that, that those formative experiences within those environments. Because for me, I felt like everyone was themselves and everyone was yeah. allowed to dress up however they wanted. Like I never actually dressed that crazy in a way. Like I was just like a kind of emo kid in a way. But like yeah. there were people like Bishy that would turn up every night in a completely yeah. amazing, you know, bespoke outfit or like cassette player or, you know, whoever, yeah. Mark Moore, or, you know, whoever it was. But I think that made all of us just accept that everyone is unique and, you know, yeah. Salon um, how like pleasurable everybody. is it? Yes. How boring if everyone wore a suit from Next. You I know. know. And also how much you can learn and grow strength and be a better person exactly. yourself via thri- everyone thriving. That's what I don't know. I mean, the thing is, where, when I moved here, I thought, oh, a bit boring. Everyone would be, you know, normal. <laughs> it's Never lived any more weird in my whole life. <laughs> Honestly, everywhere you go, there's something to look at and someone with a fabulous outfit and something exciting going on. And you've become a real, Certainly. like, beloved figure in St. Leonard's, haven't you, in the art community? Haven't you done an exhibition of your own painting and yeah. your own work? Friday. I had opened on Friday. Is that, it's finished now. finishes today. Oh. I wasn't overly excited. But <laughs> it was, I just did it. I was a bit in the doldrums earlier in the year, and someone said to do it, and I, did it, and I thought, go on, do it, do it. And then I enjoyed what I did. So, so what, what have you made for that show of your, your Oh, work? I just... I have to think, because I have to give myself a theme to... 
paint so I can do it. Because I'm not, a, I'm not like him. I don't spend all my life thinking about art or anything. I just do it every now and then and enjoy it. And so I just thought, I'll just do, I love the seaside. And it's kind of based on Instagram. So I did nine squares, mostly pictures I've had on Instagram of like local scenes that I like. Bright, and I put bright frames on them. One self-portrait eating ice cream. Yeah, one self-portrait eating ice cream. Beautiful. One of my favourite hobbies. <laughs> Me too, snap. And I've seen, I've seen your self-portraits, they're great. So I never think I'm very good. I think you're great, but didn't you train to be an art teacher originally? And then I did. Yes, that was a funny business. I knew, say I tra- I don't know why I didn't go to art school. I think I was nervous, thought I didn't get, wouldn't get in or something. So I played, trained to be an art teacher. And that was three years of my life that really I've forgotten even existed. It's just like been blanked out. It was so boring. It's just been blanked out of my memory. When I did train to be an art teacher, and, maybe, and then I went to sign on. They go, oh, you can come and work here. I went, oh, all right then. Stayed for their 37 years. But now you're really using this art education to... Like, I am. We were talking about COVID as well, and you you have these um, live at home sessions that, you do, that were incredible, yeah. and and you are a real ambassador for art and encouraging people oh, to thanks. you know sit and paint and and really unleash their potential. And I think that's such a I know. generous and I would act say that to you're them, doing. Yeah, yeah, just be proud of what you've done. You've done something. Doesn't matter if it's not great. Like I had one woman in my classes when I did them live, and she was so nervous. But she did these three paintings just with black lines. And they didn't take a long. But I go, they're so fantastic. And I would tell people to frame things because they look a hundred times better. I go, you could put those in three black frames, put them up, and they just look brilliant. And she did, and she was thrilled. And that and that and that pandemic kind of um, you know, connecting people when they were stuck at home through the internet, it was called isolation mm. station. Station hates. Yeah. It's so creative here. They set up their own um telly station. So <laughs> I did one. I did quiz and I did um, art class. But the art class, first of all, art, first one I was the model. I thought, well, I can't model every week. It's a bit boring because I had funny tech, so you couldn't be, you couldn't really see the people watching. And you, so I thought, I know what I do. I'll ask my friends if they're modelling. I could chat to them and find out their business. Oh yeah. So the first, so the first one I did was Daniel Lismore. And oh. luckily, I've got quite interesting people I can ask. Rui here did it, but. I thought because he'd done professional modelling, he'd be quite good at it, but he won't listen to a word I say, so I was, like, fidgeting like a madman. But it was still quite funny. But then I had local people as well, because there's lots of people here who care for... Because the refugees turn up here sometimes. So there's people who look after the refugees, so I interviewed them. And I learnt a lot myself doing it. It was lovely. And didn't Julia model as well? Yeah, she modelled twice. She modelled, yeah. Nice. And then there was an exhibition, finally, when COVID was over, in a local museum... And it was so lovely because all the people on the art kind of felt like a community. They hadn't met each other, but they were doing the same class every week. So they were so thrilled with it. I made them all wear name badges so they knew who everyone was. (laughs) That's brilliant. And some of them, I wrote wrote either artist or model. And some people who had artists written on their badge, they were so thrilled. I've never been called. I guess everyone's an artist if you try. Did you find um, that there was, going through the club scene and seeing the crossover did you feel like art and clubbing and the london scene at that time really had an an artistic um tendency to to mix did you feel like there was like a real scene oh, yeah yeah i think so but i remember when in the 80s but then you know after aids the nightclubs were a bit different like there wasn't so many straight people there cuz i think they were frightened or something and so for a while sort of at the late 80s 
the scene wasn't quite so mixed and blended with the straight, because that's all my favourite club with straight and gay people mixed. But then it got more a bit like that later on, back again when people forgot about AIDS. And in, in, in Taboo, you had people like John Galliano. So there was obviously like a big fashion element oh, as well. Yeah. And I always remember even in the early 2000s, the influence of Vivian and like um, Pam Hogg oh, yeah. and kind of all these amazing fashion designers that in a way were artists because the way they approached fashion was so different. Yeah, like, and Peter Doig used to come to Taboo and everything. Yeah. He's a lovely, he's a lovely fellow. And his, his wife, I think, worked at Body Map. So it's all like interconnected. And I love that I'm still friends with all those people now. Mm. It's not, and and it's John lovely, Mabry, of we're course. All, yeah. And we're all like in our 60s. We go, isn't this amazing? Like a lot of, I mean, my life's got better the older I got. Do you have you ever heard of someone called Les Child? Yeah, of course. A choreographer. Les. Yeah, Les Hilarious. Yeah. He goes, girl, I can't believe it. I'm 65. I'm doing this and that. They all love me, girl. I just can't believe it. <laughs> and, you know, he was quite depressed in his 50s because he didn't have much work or anything. And it's and there's people, you know, like Kim Jones and that. He's really kind and helpful yeah, he yeah. and brings in all the 80s people to do things for him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and he championed my friend Bailey Walsh. Judy Bloom. Bailey Blay. Walsh. Yeah. No, Blay, sorry. Judy well, Blay. Kim's Chris, got an incredible yeah, collection of um, Lee Bowery's Lee archive yeah. and Trojan's archive. And yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what was that like then, being best mates with Lee Bowery? I would say people think he was weird. He's probably the most normal person you could meet, really. You know, underneath it all, everything, all the misbehaviour in that was thought about. And it was done for a reason. You know, like some people, they're just born naughty, so they just do terrible things and they don't think about it. Trojan, because Lee was going, yes, I'm so more intelligent than him. Trojan was just a working class boy who just did bad things. But all Lee's, because Lee was so well brought up by the Salvation Army family, um, had morals and class, just and how to behave, banged into him from an early age, that everything he did was like a rebellion against it but planned and known in his head what he was doing but in the daytime we just go to the supermarket go to the pictures just like you know he knew how and he used to say i'm glad that i was brought up properly that i know how to behave properly if i have to you know because this whole act was just thought about and put on every minute if you went around the house you ring the bell isn't it and then suddenly the door would slow open and he'd be lying on the floor hoping you'd trip over him <laughs> just to entertain you <laughs> So you wrote a biography for him in 1997, which Rude obviously picked up and, and discovered all about him. Do you still have people, and this was called The Life and Times of an Icon, Lee Bowery. Do you still have people discovering that now and like Rui? Yeah. And, and and do you feel like you want to do a follow-up one or do you want to write a book about being being like you know, the accidental muse, you know? The actual, no, the name of my book is... The other naked civil servant. <laughs> he stole so my name. That's so yeah, good. He stole. And guess what? Because I did RA level at school. When we were in the sixth form, we had to go to St Albans Art School to do new drawing. He was one of the models. And we did. He wasn't famous then. We go. Oh, he's a funny fellow. Quentin Crisp. In well. St Albans, yeah, you didn't really see people like him with the bouffant hair but he didn't wasn't naked so you know those funny little posing pouches with a bit of string yeah, 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 really so i was feel special me and quentin not that yeah. i really know him. god you've met some <laughs> you've been friends with met some had interacted with like huge know, cultural most, phenomenal know, like, game-changing but in the figures. most bizarre way that i don't it's not like i'm pushy or ambitious or anything all these things just happen to me because I have to, I can't, I'm not really good at making things happen for myself. 
I have to have someone ask me to do something. And then I do it, enjoy it. And then there's someone else asks me to do something. Sometimes I do rotten things because I think, well, someone might sit and ask me to do something else. And years later, someone does. Because I just, I love doing little jobs. My favourite, I like doing little jobs, telly, little telly job. Or a little questionnaire job. You know when people ask you your favourite things? Yeah. <gasps> That's my number one. Well, you're going to get loads of them now, hopefully, after this. They're going to be like Sutilis' favourite things. Sutilis, what's your favourite sweet? What is your favourite sweet? I think probably Lindt chocolate oh, yeah. or Lindor. But they're a bit, I think they're a bit sickly now. Good. An orange Lindor. Oh, OK, very nice. Can you talk about mm. the pregnant performance that Lee did that you were present at, which has gone down as, like, one of the most iconic happenings of it his... It was. It was unbelievable. Where, where were you? Going... What, what was happening around at the time? And... I can't even remember. You know, I'm not very good at remembering because come to this. I can't even remember where it was at. He goes, it's going to be a very special performance. You'll be thrilled. So I went, oh, all right then. So I went to see him and there was all this scaffolding and he came onto the stage looking enormous in this homemade sort of funny velvet square suit, little high heel shoes, but then top wig on, then singing a song, blah, blah, blah. And so he went, oh, oh, and then just laid back on the scaffold, opened his legs and there was a pair of tights with a Velcro crutch, crotch, I don't even say, and suddenly it burst open and Nicola wiggled out. So all the time he'd been dancing in high heels with a grown woman attached to his body. <laughs> you know that, and then years later, what's his, that fashion designer copied it. What's his name? He does the long black tops. You, you modelled for his Comme body. Comme de Gasson or something, no. What's his name? Rick Owens. Ah. Oh, Rick Owens. All yeah, because right. he had models coming out with them um, strapped to their bodies. But funny enough, when Selfridges had a big model of Rick Owens outside their building, I don't, he had, because he sometimes did modelling for this sculptor, so it was his body that was Rick Owens's body. Oh, wow. wow. How far out? I know. And uh, the legs of... Is it George Cohen outside one of the football grounds? Is his legs. <laughs> this is so hilarious. I, I was always really taken by the Fergus Greer photos of Lee, and, yeah. and in particular about the way that the body... Because I think that was Lee's thing, in a way, was, like, somehow the limitations, but also what, what the human body could actually be, like, beyond what, yeah. we, what we think about it. It was quite a liberating yeah. way of expressing himself. He almost wanted and to, I like, think, free each of us from yeah. our own body issues. Like, and working was, for Lucy because he spent so time being naked with him, yeah. really helped him change the way he made his outfits and everything and his style. Like right. he started using his actual flesh more and not having so much you know, clothes on. Yeah. And sometimes he just went out with a tiny little belt on, so everything just bulged and, a, and a, what they called a merkin, covering up his bits. Right. Did he, did he love like, working with Lucian then? Did, was it so oh, adored it, absolutely adored it. It was like the best education he'd ever had because he was sort of quite snobby underneath and his voice got posher and posher the longer he worked <laughs> with Lucien and he really loved meeting all the fancy friends. That was his favourite. And then, of course, he loved going with Lucien because Lucien's got a pass to go to the National Gallery after dark. <gasps> so he once went to meet him there, decided to wear roller skates. <laughs> Around the gallery? Love that. And did Lucien idea, like that? Did Lucien appreciate that sort oh, of Lucien loved him as well. Yeah, Lucian really loved him because they both learnt so much from each other because like, well, he was really clever. And so, you know, they changed ideas, changed thoughts. You know, it was he was a million times better friends with him than me, you know, because he was more cleverer than me. Do you think um, Lee would be happy to know that everyone sort of loves him so much now? And oh, how much he's I do my best. popular culture? I know. 
Yeah. I do my best to keep him going. Yeah. And always posting little things about him and that. Yeah. But so many times I think, oh, I wish I could t- tell Lee that. I wish I could tell him. Yeah. I think he'd be a bit jealous that my picture sold for more than his. <laughs> there would be a scene. But he'd twist it round to make it about him. Because he was the one that introduced you to Lucian. So really it's his yeah. idea. Love it. Yeah. What a legend. What was it, it, it like for him when he discovered that he was um, had AIDS? Because obviously it must have been daunting, but I've heard that he's quite a, he was quite a stoic guy in the fact that he didn't dwell on things like that. Uh, well, it was I was the only one that knew. Cause I was at home and he, cause he went for a test, then he never went for the results because he didn't... He thought, I can't deal with it. I just don't want to know. I'm not going. Then he phoned me up and just a couple of years later and went, so... You've got to be in. I've got to come and speak to you. I went. I was going out. I went. Oh, all right then. I suppose I will. So he came around. And went. Oh, look at this. And he brought a letter in from the hospital that said, "How are you dealing with your HIV status?" Because yeah. he didn't. He'd never got the results. Oh, God. And he was. It was awful. And we just sat there crying. He goes, "This is it." His main worry was, I could never go cottaging again. <laughs> Bless him. And it was, and he goes, you mustn't tell, swear to me, you won't tell anyone. And it's a miracle I didn't, because I'm quite a gossip. And um, I kept that secret. But it was like a little game between us. And then cause it, he was very keen on trying to embarrass me in public. He was very good at it. And always trying to lift my skirt up, going up the bus and things like that. <sighs> but I go, just shut up. I'll tell everyone you've got AIDS. <gasps> so that's how we dealt with it. Oh I know it sounds, God. people didn't know us. They think that's quite a horrible thing to say. But, it was you know, humor, with yeah, us, yeah, it was... Yeah. Yeah, it was just, and then when, and luckily he was only ill for about six weeks, but it was horrible because it was just before he did that sh- the show at the Freedom Cafe and he felt terrible, so ill. But then he still did that performance with Nicola. Oh, wow. And I thought, wow. it's bad enough anyway. But when, I mean, it turned out he had meningitis and the show was booked on for about seven nights or something. He thought, you know, I'm not well enough, I can't do it. He phoned up the council to complain about it, so it got shut down. Did it himself. <laughs> oh, he stopped his own show? Yeah. Wow. By ringing up the council that there was nudity in this show, just so he wouldn't have to tell people. Because even when he was in hospital, wow. so I took him to the hospital and they kept him in. And then he hadn't even told Nicola, who was living in his house at the time and he'd married. So he left a note for her going, Oh, I'm at the hospital, come and see me. Didn't even tell her what. He- but- he said, well, when she walks in here, she'll see what's wrong with me. But it was horrible, those six weeks. But it was really intense. But at the same time, it was really lovely because we had such a good time together. Like, just sitting there talking and laughing and chatting and just discussing our lives. And, you know, they kept putting funny breathing machines. Oh, I'm going to make an outfit out of this when I come out. But he never did come out. I don't, You know, it was so quick and you never really knew what was wrong. Why do you think he but, didn't want people to know just the stigma of the of the times he, no he didn't want people saying it wasn't stigma he said he thought people might say he was just acting like this because he had AIDS you know his weird behaviour and dressing Eccentric up and everything. and everything yeah so he didn't want people and he didn't, would hate anyone to feel sorry for him absolutely loathe it what he thought people would think he himself. was like because he had AIDS he was doing these performances as in like he wasn't full of mind and like or yeah oh god oh. That's sad. I know, it was awful. I think also sometimes if people have cancer or they have um, a terminal illness, sometimes 
it's better just to keep quiet because other people can get make it so much about them and it almost like oh. oh people cry in front of you like I've seen it even with with you know a close friend of ours who got ill and then I think it's better just sometimes just to keep it quiet or well to be honest I had cancer myself I yes. had breast cancer yeah, and, you and I didn't tell anyone not yeah. even one person until I went to the hospital and had it confirmed and then I've always surprised myself how unbothered I was because in my life I thought it'd be the worst thing happened I went oh 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 well like that but what I hated was having to tell my mum but luckily she was on the verge of dementia so I don't think she ever really remembered but and then you know I'd never put it on Facebook or anything like that because I can't bear people going oh sending thoughts sending special wishes take these special medicines and all that I just liked just went to hospital dealt with it and I was fine mm. and you're good now and, you're and all you fully clear recovered now. haven't you it's brilliant oh yeah yeah I've never think about it really it's just happened yeah I'm an old bird I can miss one bosom so uh, oh, you've done a painting of it haven't you did you i have with a couple yeah but no one was very interested i thought they were quite dramatic no one was interested well, we will we will post that we're painting interested. we're interested you know, to talk the about. thing about art is it's all time like it, there'll be a time when people are interested it's i know there's the all a minute like that when do you things know what happen. i mean yeah yeah, yeah. if you exactly. could sit yeah. for any other artist now as 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 this muse that you are uh living or dead who would it be well, I've I've got an artist at the moment who's working on a picture of me. Oh, yeah. Ian Brennan, he's Irish. And he wanted me to pose nude and I completely refused. And I've always said I'll only pose nude for a million pounds. I don't even know if I'd do that. But anyway, he's now decided he's going to do... He's doing quite well. He's like Ireland's entrant at the London Biennale or something. Mm. And he's going to try and get this painting to sell for a million pounds. And then he's going to give me a million pounds to pose again. That's <laughs> amazing. What a great story. I, don't think, I know. I don't think it will work. I'm, fingers crossed it won't work. So why, why were you not posed naked now? And why was you so able to pose naked then? Because I'm a lot older. I've only got one bosom. I'm not pretty sight. And I mean, I've done it twice. Half naked. I wouldn't take my knickers off. And I kind of got slightly panic attacked. And it's like reliving that moment. I mean, when you sat for the greatest painter in the earth, really, mm. you know. I've got this Charlotte Colbert. She did, like, patchwork things of me. And I, ha- I had to go to Lucian's studio to do that because she knew the artist who now owns it. And that was a bit weird, going back there. I didn't remember how many stairs there were. That must have been really strange, almost like the ghost of a... Because his studio still it has was. all the paint and all the... Yeah, it's almost the like he's just, yeah. yeah, it's like he's just walked out of the room or something. And the guy kind of made other rooms a bit fancy, though, because when I, I spent ages redesigning it in my head when I was sitting there doing nothing. Oh, if I did that. Because it was just everything just thrown around. And, you know, he didn't... And then there was like a Rodin statue as a doorstop <laughs> and things like that. Oh, my okay. God. Oh, that's I nice. That. <laughs> and you, you met um, John Curran at one point. Was this an artist that you like to be painted by as well it's a bit rude isn't he <laughs> no i wouldn't mind but that was yes i got a little job where i had to go and interview some artists in new york that's a little job i like what was that Why tell us about that that sounds amazing it was mike christie was making a documentary for sky arts and i had to go and um interview john curran some other transgender artist and then another artist who She's like just painted someone's arm, that much of someone's arm, but it took her like a whole year and she painted every single little hair and every little freckle. That sounds like Ellen Altfest. Yeah, it does sound like Ellen Altfest. Is that Ellen Altfest? I don't know, she had curly hair and she lived in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, that's how I went. She was nice. Yeah, she's cool, yeah. Yeah, but 
But I'm just looking, going. It's a lot of attention to, to do detail. That. Yeah, I know. And like she was doing men's penises and that. That's on. right. That's yeah. her partner's penis. Yeah. She's done yeah. bums like sitting on yeah. chairs as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fascinating going to her studio. So that's why I like doing little things. Like I don't want it to be my job, but I like it because she's fun. And I did the portrait live on BBC Two. That was good. But it was a, it was a bit of a funny programme, but still. <laughs> well, you're going to love these quickfire like questions that we're going to give you, oh, Sue good, and Rue, because question. they are the ones that we ask all of our guests. Uh, we will ask you separately, but the ones we ask is, if you could do an art heist, you could have any artwork in the world, cause, and we can see behind you, there's, you live with a lot of art, your own art and friends' yeah, do, art. Yeah. If you could have any artwork in the world for yourself, what would it be and why? And that's for both of you. Oh, the, uh, I would have uh, Sue's first painting, <laughs> Freud. Painted. What benefit just, supervisor? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the one who just to annoy you. Oh, evening in the studio. Yeah. Well, you're really uncomfortable. And nobody else good looking. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably have some sort of Matisse painting or something. Because I was always jealous that he had a wardrobe of clothes for the people to dress up in. And I go, Lucy, can't you get one? <laughs> but John John Curran had a wardrobe of clothes for people to dress up in that I was quite thrilled with. Really. Mm. So would Matisse decide what they would wear? Would he style them or would they be able to choose what they felt comfortable in? I'm not really sure yet, but in my mind, you choose yourself. Oh, nice. But to be honest, all these models wear clothes I'd be happy to wear. So maybe he could style me. But hasn't Matisse also inspired your approach to uh, teaching and art classes? Because don't you often set them up with models and backdrops like based on... Oh, yeah, always, yeah, with a bunch of flowers, model, something bright and colourful, yeah. And the patterned like fabrics and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Always, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? Red. Yellow. <laughs> and why each respective one? Bright. Best colour for lipstick. I haven't got red lipstick on today, though. And um, it's just everything. Danger. 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 Love. 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 Yeah, Romance. Yeah, it's yeah. all red. Blood. Blood. Yeah, exactly. Blood. Life force. <laughs> yellow, why yellow? Why yellow pajamas. Yellow pajamas since very early on. Uh, I guess the sun and Van Gogh. Mm. Little sunflowers. Yeah. Yellow room. Well, I might wear a yellow dress on Thursday night for the big show. Oh, nice. So exciting. I can't wait for that show, posing for, for Sue. Honestly, I feel like I'm going on about it so much. But it really is really special. Yeah. And I'm so impressed. When I first met him, I just thought he was a little student. You know, I didn't really know how absolutely clever and talented and yeah. brilliant Aww. he was. And these paintings, they're so amazing, I think. How many now, are there? He's got two strokes. Oh, how many? Is there 50 in the show? 50? I think around... Uh, no, we reduced it to 30, like 23 paperworks and seven on canvas. Wow, wow that's yeah, amazing. There's a lot, yeah. And... Uh, so Daniel Malarkey is curating it. So I just gave him carte blanche to, to, to organise the way he wanted. I just, we selected together and then it, it will be a surprise for me as well. Yeah. What are you it's, hoping it's, for the reaction been, to be? What, 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 what would you like? Where would you like your work to go and what sort of response are you looking I, for? I'm enjoying the journey so far. And uh, it was actually from uh, the moment I met Sue and, and uh, I, I didn't have much exp- expectations, high ambitions for my own... I had my own interest and in, in just knowing Sue and and being able to, to know uh, all the stories firsthand about Lee Bowery, Lucian Freud, etc. That was kind of... He has a part with me as well, though, so That's... quite annoying. <laughs> yeah, you have your, your moments, but I really like like 
she read the whole book, the one she wrote. And uh, so not every day you can have a, a live audiobook Amazing. just for you. That's very cool. And, I really um, liked the, um, the there's a, a quote for, for the show where it says that you utilize your body as an instrument to explore the heights and depths of the human psyche because of the way that you undress for the model and, you know, all of these kind of ideas of the gaze. It's such a beautiful thing. There was this idea of um, making a portrait of Sue. Of, of, I think I, I was the red herring there, and, and of course I was always nude there, but it was about Sue and, and her story and, and all the people she, she knew. And uh, I see it always as a portrait of Sue and, and a portrait of observing this dynamic, actually, from between painter and... and and he's and very, very good at capturing my ridiculous facial expressions <laughs> well, in yeah. about three strokes. So it's me looking at him naked, just going like that, rolling my eyes. Yeah, and yeah. it's so brilliant how you capture that. that yeah, that, then, then you just realise that you're going into quite personal things that you don't really control. And I guess there was this dynamic between me and a, an older woman who, who would that be right and oh an older woman no well well we did yeah yeah so that, yeah. there's even like peeing in front of sue uh, oh yeah there's a picture where he's just, just pissing right in front of me a whole shower yeah but he was i didn't even realize he was filming i was just sitting there looking on my phone and i'm like oh what are you doing now rolling my eyes so yeah it's, that's, that's the cool thing about sue because she does like to appear but then she's not concerned with her image and so she never asked me for any footage like to control what i could show or not so i, I have all this i have an archive of, of imagery i can use and and that takes me 10 years to look back and really realize what i was doing by instinct and, and it's good to discuss these things with Sue, actually. Yeah. It's like we learn so much about each other. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's the journey. So the expectations are fully fulfilled I think we, right now. Well, I think I we say. all realize that Sue Chile is the most generous of yeah. people. Oh, don't embarrass me. Incredibly no, it's true. You are. I really, so think, kind. I really think, Sue, yeah. I really think you bring out the best in people. You do. And you yeah. know, yeah. whether that be Lucian Freud, because you did. Do you know what I mean? Well, you made his or, or most famous Rui, painting. Or, you were there. Yeah, yeah. I did. It's true. Or, or Julia, yeah. sending her off to the knicker factory. I'm going to tell her that when I love her. I'm that. sure she loved that job. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. No, so you're very, very kind and honest, and you're quick to smile, and that's a really lovely And also, you trust people, and I think you bring out a kind of connection, like a. It's something to do with trust, I think. And it's a beautiful you do thing. It's a rare that, gift. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. I was getting embarrassed. So I'm very shy, really. No. Do you get a lot of things sent to you, like people doing your portrait? Because I noticed in one yeah. article, someone in like Bangkok had, had done a I beautiful know. painting yeah. of you. But is that something you get a lot from like amateur yeah. artists, from professional yeah. artists? Yeah. And, and how it's do you feel when you see those? <laughs> I love them. My house is... People mustn't come terribly vain because my house is full of pictures of me. <laughs> is I'm it? So thrilled when pe- yeah, when, I'm so thrilled when people send me things. I put them on the wall Aww. and then some I've got them hidden in cupboards. I don't know what to do with them all. Someone sent me a little knitted figurine of Lee the other day. Oh, wow. Yeah, little knitted and like funny little things. You just think, oh, how lovely and sweet, you know, it's nice. But even that's like testament, though, to the impact you've had in people's lives, particularly like everyday artists, just people that are making art at home. I feel like yeah. the portraits of you have inspired so many people. Like oh, yeah, when I was doing, yeah, when I was doing that class, I was just thinking, 
And people go, I've never drawn anything before. I can't believe it. Because before lockdown, I did them in... Do you know Wayne Shires? Yes, do, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I did it in lights, his yeah. pub. Yeah, I did it in his pub. And um, this man came. He'd never drawn anything in his life. He was an electrician or something. And his drawing was so good. He didn't even draw the models. He couldn't really see it. He just drew the people in the room. And it, we, every week we had Picture of the Week that stayed in the pub for a week, and he won. And he's still to this day, when I see him, he goes, I can't believe it. It was so amazing. Oh. And it makes you go, oh, so empowering. So nice. That, that feeling yeah. that you can do something like that when it feels so unaccessible to you. It feels so, like, unavailable. And when you are given the opportunity and told, you're good at this, that must feel... But also creating something out of nothing. That's what I think is yeah. so amazing. Is exactly. that out of just a and moment like, in front of you, you pick up a pencil, you pick up a paintbrush, suddenly well, it's They didn't made. even do that on yeah. my class because it was COVID. I don't think someone could cope with going to the shop. They had paintings in lipstick. Some even had a bit of Coke, but, you know, drinking Coke <laughs> oh, yeah. painted on it, that kind of thing, because they yeah. didn't have anything paint. So I said, mate, do a menu you can do whatever you like. Because I've got no rules for it. I can't bear it when people have rules. I just say you can use what you want. Mix this with this. Well, I should say that uh, having Sue as a teacher or a model, you, you never start from nothing. She's just loaded <laughs> with stories and history. And uh, so oh. you might not realize, but you, you are art history in a way. You're and, a rich material. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. I said, when I was at school, I, you know, I loved art and I thought, and I was reading art books, and we went on a school outing to the Tate Gallery. And there was, you know, I was probably about 12, and there were these hippies, they're about, probably they're about 19, and one was sitting on the steps, and a friend went and went their fingers like that, and on the hand was written art. Uh-huh. And I was going, oh, aren't they fantastic? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and now I've been in the Tate Gallery many times, and I can't believe it. My picture's in there. Two pictures were in there once, because I did Sam Taylor Wood's thing for the Turner Prize. So... You know, she only did that because I was with Luke. You know what I mean? And so all these lovely experiences what happened. Was, what was the thing with Sam? She did. The t- she was at the Turner Prize. Yeah. And there was this huge... Pay- there, I was in the film for it. And this, well, you know those panoramic pictures? Yes. Yeah. The 360 was, photos, was, yeah. Yeah, and I was in one of those in like a pink dress and everything. Oh, wow. From the 90s, from the oh, late 90s. Yes. yeah. Oh, or mid-90s. Yes. Wow, we're in them all. Love that. The final question we yeah. have is, is what is the best advice you've ever received when it comes to your art, when it comes to your work? <laughs> he gives me this advice every single day that I never ignore. Yeah. I always ignore, paint big, whereas I tend to paint small. But what's the best advice? Just, I think, I watched the film about Jordan last night, mm. Air Jordans, mm. just do it. Yeah. I think the best advice is just, be disciplined, put in the time in doing your work, doing oh. doing it every day. Uh, and he's always and making Sue, me do more. Me and Sue used to have a game, uh, one drawing a, ga- a day, like a, like one minute drawing at least. And she she's quite good at it. And she sometimes she she. Will does you come it. up with very good ideas of things I have to draw? Yeah, we, and um, you do them wonderfully. Yeah. So usually about us fighting. Yeah. <laughs> in one of the uh, isn't in one of the paintings in the show, he's got a painting, I drew, a drawing I did, isn't it? Me wringing yep. his neck, going, "You're driving me mad!" Exactly. So he's kind of copied that picture in his picture, or I integrated it. Integrate. Yeah. I love so, that. Some, there's some portraits of you showing your drawings, and oh, see, I haven't, I don't half and I don't know what's in it. <laughs> I think I, is there films and things in it, or just no? Oh, good, just pictures. No, just... I'm frightened. 
No, but also you must be really excited as well because you must be so used to, or I guess does it always still feel exhilarating to see yourself in art? Not exhilarating, just going, oh, it's happened again. It's weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. But I'm just so <laughs> proud and excited for him because I know, because you're, uh, I say you're a proper, proper artist and it's your, um, I mean, it's shown all over the world. So, you know, it's just nice yeah. that I'm involved in it. I'm pleased. Yeah. So this is your first UK solo you're a Portuguese artist, Rue Ferreira. It's at the Sunday Painter, and it's the title of the show is Posing for Sue. And this opens this Thursday, the 20... 29th of April. 29th of April. Yeah. No, June. Where are we? No, June. Yeah, I'm going to go back. 29th of April, June, and it runs for... How long is it on for, Rue? It's until the 22nd of July. Okay, great. Exactly. So that's fantastic. And it's free to get into as well, everybody. Don't forget free. that part. It's free. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Three. it's yeah, a really inspiring show. And, and you can get curated to by Daniel Malarkey. Big Who shout found to him. him? Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, we we've been working for like three years at least, and and I I created my own residency in Saint Leonard's right after COVID, just to be closer to Sue again. Oh, actually. you guys! And then I was here for one month, and he came down and and he saw my paintings, and that's how the the long the project in London started. It's uh, it's uh, it really due to Daniel and. Um, yeah. What's your That's Instagram, it. Rue? Uh, it's uh, Rui Miguel Leitão Ferreira. It's my full name, Portuguese names no one can pronounce. We will, um, I guess we'll, we'll tag you, it's fine. On our, what on our what happens now is just people just write my name, R-U-I, Rui, and because I'm connected with Sue and all her friends, <laughs> there's always my name appearing. So. Yeah. Okay. And, right, and your well. Instagram, Sue, is Sue Tilly? Suitily one. Suitily one. And on there, you describe yourself as a regional specialist, which I love. Oh, that was a joke. Do you know, um, you know, Julie, you know, Julian Gagneau, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stylist. Yeah, yeah. it was a love. joke. One day, see, he only lives around the corner. Because I saw him yesterday, he says hello. Hi. And we were just um, joking and just making up ridiculous names. So we decided we were regional specialists just so people would wonder what it was. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask, but I love the fact that it's a joke. Yeah, it's just made up for entertainment. I think You're I the can only be, person I can who's be ever really mentioned. Yeah, of course you can. Because I'm Margate, so I'm, I'm a regional <laughs> yeah. specialist. Love this. I know. Yeah. Oh. Well, this has been well, thank wonderful. You, Thanks, Rui. guys. Thank you, Sue. You are both wonderful human beings. Thank you for your generosity. Oh, you, thank you so much. I, I'd love it if you come Thursday, but I know it'd be a bit busy and you're busy, but if you can fit it in, it'd be great. Yeah, we're we'll trying to get along. Try our very best. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for everybody listening, please go to at TalkArt to see images of all the works we've said today, talked about today, and go to uh, Rui's and Sue's Instagram as well. And the Sunday Painter has an Instagram, and we will. Daniel Malarkey has, Daniel an, Malarkey Instagram. has an Instagram, and we will be back very soon. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks, we'll Sue. Be back Thanks, soon. Rui. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to TalkArt with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to TalkArt at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com